the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. 602 On the culture front, we, uh, we determined that uh, young David did not go on his camping trip this weekend, following uh, the best advice we could give him. Uh, we talked about the importance of the date, November 13th, and the odd couple, and how this was the day Felix Unger's wife removed where Felix Unger was removed from his place of residence, the request coming from his wife, setting off uh, a long, lot of conversation on that in the last uh, last hour. Uh, tomorrow is another anniversary in pop culture from the same era, 1975, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, that's right. That's when the Edmund Fitzgerald was discovered. That's when they found the wreck. Yeah. The Edmund Fitzgerald, yeah. as Gordon Lightfoot has so eloquently given to us. Yeah, huge story. Um, so that's all on the pop culture. I have some other things and questions for the audience. I want to crowdsource. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? We have some other things we need to crowdsource. Uh, yeah, no, there are. One, remind me. One of them is about. Well, it had to do with the camping thing. Made me think about it with the bugs. That uh-huh. camping is such a great idea. Why do the bugs all try to get inside? You know, it, we'll come back to that. I want to do a couple other stories. We talked about Tim Scott. We talked about. Some new polling showing Donald Trump. This is fascinating. I was mentioning that many of you know two polls last week. CNN and New York Times had Donald Trump winning in some swing states. And there's another poll now out this morning showing he wins uh, Electoral College, too. A survey of 15,000 voters. The notion that he cannot win against Joe Biden cannot now credibly be said. Now, could it be said in a month or two months? Yeah, maybe. Anything can happen. Anything could be, and things could change in any number of directions, whether it's through his trials, whether it's through, goodness knows, something else in his orbit, whether it's something in the Democratic Party, whether it's something in Joe Biden. But you have to wed this, too, to another important Politico story uh, from Jonathan Martin I was speaking about that says— um, if anyone thought Joe Biden was thinking he's not running again, that's just wrong. Joe, uh, Jonathan Martin is a is a is a established Washington D.C. Um, reporter and spoke to dozens of people in and out of the White House, in and out of the Democratic Party, at the higher echelons, and uh, they say they may, they 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 don't think Joe can do it, but Joe has Joe has no mind to step aside. He thinks he can do it, and he's planning to do it. And if he was looking for some kind of soft step away, I suppose a la Lyndon Johnson, it ain't coming from him. So as of right now, one does have to conclude that the race is Trump v. Biden. Now, the removal from the race, that request coming from himself with Tim Scott and narrowing the GOP field to Trump plus four rather than Trump plus five creates an interesting conversation. Trump is ahead by something like 50 points, give or take, on any given week. But that does mean there's a 50 percent in the other in, in the party, in the Republican Party, that's looking for someone else. And you can't you, 
you, you just can't keep dividing it amongst four different people now. And I mean, you can, but if the 50 percent who don't want Trump are serious, they probably ought to think about getting together in a room at the higher at the higher levels and figuring out who's going to walk out and who's going to stay. It's going to be very hard. These are big egos who have raised a lot of money. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how you get in a room with a DeSantis or a Nikki Haley supporter and say, one of you has got to go. Um, I don't know how you do it. You can't do it with Ramaswamy. Um, the only one you could theoretically do that with is Chris Christie because the numbers are so bad. But then again, he looks like he might do well. In New Hampshire, and if he does well in New Hampshire, who knows what that means? And as you were telling me earlier, David, his fundraising really did spike after the debate, right? It looks like he's already passed the donor threshold yeah. for the next debate. Is he the first December. outside of DeSantis? Is he the first to do it? Probably, he Probably. passed eighty thousand donors today, and that was the threshold for the next debate in Alabama, where he probably won't play as well as uh, as he did in. Uh, in uh, in Florida. But anyway, the idea that Trump can't do this is um, is not an idea that carries water right today. Not just today, it doesn't. Assuming, by the way, that the 50 percent of Republicans who don't support him aren't so viscerally tied to not supporting him that they put their personalities, interests and egos above the country— I just would have hoped by now that Republicans have learned the lesson that no matter the distaste you may have for the ultimate nominee, um, the choice between a nominee who may give you dyspepsia and an ideology that will turn this country asunder should not be a very difficult choice. It just shouldn't. It just shouldn't. If you have to hold your nose and vote, do that. But the idea that you would stay home and allow, I mean, what was the midterm race, the bumper sticker of which was had enough? Was it 1948? Was that the congressional race? You remember that, David? I think most Republicans used that any time between 1932 and 1952. Yeah, but I think 48 maybe. When Republicans switched the uh, House and Senate, would have been in '46 post-war. That would have been the uh, was it the '46 do-nothing Congress, as um, might have been Harry the... Truman accused them of being. Yeah, that might have been the '46 campaign. Then it was a congressional campaign, and the bumper sticker was "Had enough." And that Question. was the first successful sl- switch. Yeah, both houses. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, uh, I mean, ha- have you had enough? I mean. If you're a Republican of any flavor or stripe, um, can you tell me one area, just one area that's improved in Joe Biden or one area that hasn't gotten worse just as equally? You know, there were open questions about how well Joe Biden would steer the economy, I suppose. And there were open questions about whether his record, awful record of failure in foreign policy would have been um, predictive of his presidency when it came to foreign policy. Those worries, of course, came true. But the one thing that he promised and guaranteed and that so many people, not me because I thought it was baloney knowing the record and stuff, but that so many people thought – 
And they saw, thought similar things, by the way, in 2008, deciding to vote for Obama. But the one thing he guaranteed beyond anything else wasn't fixing immigration or anything like that. It was uniting the country. It was uniting the country. Memories fade, but do you remember being this divided in 2017 or 18? I remember Hollywood, sure, being unhappy. But do you remember being this divided? Do you remember riots in the streets? Do you remember what Joe Biden said was the impetus and catalyst? Bill, you will. What was the reason Joe Biden said he was running for president? He said it like five times since he announced. Huh? Yeah. The marchers in Charlottesville, right? With the twisted faces and, you know, the whole thing. He said when he saw that, he knew he had to run for president. The tiki torches and the twisted faces. Well, how many people marched in Charlottesville? A couple thousand at most, like 2,000 at most. Might have been 1,000. Might have been under 1,000. You have hundreds of thousands of people right now who were yelling about those tiki torches, as Bill Maher says, the people yelling about those tiki torches are now carrying the tiki torches by the hundreds of thousands on our campuses and in our streets. Did you see the rally in Tempe over the weekend? My God. My God. You think this guy has brought us together? He's looked at the dry grass of racial resentment, and he threw a match on it. He threw a match on it. Calling Republicans the party of Bull Connor and George Wallace and Jefferson Davis. I mean, there's not one thing he's made better. He's made everything worse. Had enough. Be a good slogan. Be right back. Well, welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I was asking how many people marched at that Charlottesville rally in 2017, the Unite the Right rally. And um, you know how you know it couldn't have been that many? It's hard to find the number. You know, that's how you know. But the ADL says hundreds, hundreds. And the ADL would have an interest in making it seem as bad as it, you know, as awful as it actually was. Or, you know, they wouldn't. Pull the punch on its awfulness, let us say. So you have hundreds that encouraged, catalyzed, were the energumen. How do you like that one, young David? The energumen for Joe Biden to run for presidency. Um, and people denounced those tiki torch carriers, those tiki torch marchers. And now you have tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands carrying the tiki torches with even more vile anti-Semitism, Jew hatred. More vile. Cleanse the world? Cleanse the world with stars of David in trash cans? On posters? Do you know what cleanse the world means? It only has one meaning. I'm not even getting into from the river to the sea business. Praise the martyrs? Stand with Hamas? My point in raising that was speaking about Joe Biden 
and his success. Um, and failure. And I was making the point that you can look at the economy, you can look at foreign policy, you can look at domestic policy, you can look at the border. Did I say that twice? I'm sorry if I did. And everything went got worse under Joe Biden. But the one thing, that one thing, the one energizing factor for him deciding to run and the thing he kept speaking about was bringing the country together again, healing the country. And it is monumentally worse, monumentally worse. Race relations, religious hate crimes. I mean, it's kind of hard to look at this stuff and think this is 21st century America. It would be hard enough to think of it as 20th century America. Interesting to watch this. I was asked uh, by some folks in Washington on the phone today, what am I monitoring on this? What am I, what's, what's, what's of most interest to me about this story of protests, riots? Um, what's most interesting to me is the location, the locus of them, the situs. Enlightened areas, supposedly enlightened areas, university campuses, university campuses, whether it's the UCs or the state universities in California, Florida, New York, Boston, MIT, Brandeis, Harvard, Yale, Columbia, Elite, supposedly highly intellectualized places. And I was saying, you know, the most vicious Jew hatred came from the most civilized of places in the 19th and 20th centuries. Germany was the highest of high points of culture in the world in the 1930s, wasn't it? And certainly German culture going back further than that. The best universities, some of the best music, some of the best culture and art. And you have to say something kind about Russian culture too, don't you? Where the other second worst amount of Jew hatred and violence came from. You think of the great Russian culture, music and dance and literature and art. That's where it came from. You contrast that with, have you seen on social media? Take a look. It's endearing. Have you seen this, Bill, on social media? Play around on this for looking at these farmers, these ordinary Americans from Iowa and Montana and Wyoming who all just picked up sua sponte on their own and went to Israel to farm the land and help out on the kibbutzim where they lost all these people and where they just want to give relief to the fields and the workers because they had to sign up for war? The Iowa farmer, the Wyoming, the common American, so much better than the highly elit elitized, educated, 
intellectual American, such a better person, such a better moral compass, more charitable, more giving. It makes you kind of want to cry a little bit how beautiful those farmers are in contrast to how hateful the young intellectuals are. It's an untold story. It's an underappreciated story. And the universities are going to have to have to deal with some comeuppances, I think. I think. Various kinds. Um, financial, to be sure. Um, there was an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today by uh, Arthur Levitt, who was the uh, chairman of the Securities and Exchange Commission, about how America's universities need some regulation like the SEC regulates financial institutions. Um, America's universities are in need of regulation. Universities have lately seen a raft of scandals related to their fundamental mission of scholarship and teaching. Students are graduating unprepared for basic work and deep in debt. Prominent scholars are found to be fudging their own research. Admissions officers and other officials are found to be engaging in pay-for-admission schemes. Athletic programs are regularly found breaking rules and laws. Universities have taken charitable gifts from questionable sources, such as Jeffrey Epstein and Chinese military and Communist Party fronts. Add the explosion of anti-Semitism. America's campuses are the source, source of some of the vilest Jew hatred America has seen since the 30s. If public companies featured such systemic failures, systematic failures, they would be visited by regulators and called before Congress. Universities, by comparison, are lightly regulated. There are accrediting agencies, and the Education Department focuses on enforcement of civil, right law, civil rights laws. In the case of professional education, some membership organizations set curricular standards, but these don't constitute regulation in a comprehensive sense. Universities can pretty much set their own rules, and they answer to no one. They face no meaningful external pressure to tell the truth or honor their promise to students or others. They don't need to report or punish fraud or corruption. They don't set consistent standards for contributions or spending. None of it is acceptable. Not to students, not to parents, not to alumni, not to donors, not to taxpayers who subsidize them to the tune of $1 trillion a year. Time to regulate. Are global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems and forcing solutions that only benefit the elite? Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small business, changed election laws, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power. And their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer? Convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency. They've been used to store wealth throughout history. And thousands of you have trusted the Midas Gold Group, just like Seb Gorka and I, because they're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Call Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000, 480-360-3000, or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Com. I got to crowdsource a question. I have a phone call with a dear friend every 6 a.m. We say a prayer. We talk over the news. It's how we start our day. 
We now write our own prayers, which is kind of cool. We might turn them into a little book. We'll see. It's called prayer journaling. Yeah. Is it? It's a thing? Prayer journaling. Yeah, to write yeah. down a prayer. We yeah, go back and forth. I do one, he does one. Whether or not they were answered. And I was taking note that amongst the things on my schedule this week is my exterminators are coming tomorrow. Okay. And he said, do they exterminate inside and out? And I said, yes, and I'm now wondering about the out, the exterior exterminating. It doesn't make sense to me. And he said, well, why would that be? And I said, well, a lot of reasons. First of all, if I'm not home, by the way, when they come and they only do the outside, it seems they're going to drive all the bugs inside. But if I'm home and get the whole thing... It does seem that the outside spraying is going to want to send them inside anyway. Moreover, moreover, how long do you think that stuff lasts on the outside? I mean, isn't it over the minute there's a rainstorm or my sprinklers go off, which is, you know, eight times a day or one time a day, if I'm being honest, or twice, actually. (laughs) Isn't it over, like, the moment the sprinklers come on? Also... Also, maybe we can agree that we don't want bugs, but maybe outside is kind of their thing. Maybe it's not our business to be spraying them down outside. But the efficacy, I think, is the biggest issue, not the morality of it. I mean, you do want some, right? You've heard Adam on this, right, Bill? The spiders eat the lizards, eat the bees, and the whole thing, and the pinky-sized spider versus the toe-sized spider and how they... Are peripatetic with their nets. What you got with their webs? What? What do you got? You okay. Wanna, yeah. But who eats the cockroaches? It's a whole song. It, I don't know why she's followed the fly. Perhaps she'll die. Did you not learn this song in nursery school? No. Yeah. I learned like letters and numbers in nursery school. Yes, but yes. Once we progressed, we learned about the woman who swallowed the fly. You know the song. <laughs> you. Oh, come on, Bill. You're an educated man. Anyway. The point being, outside, it's got to dissipate, like, within a day. What is the point of it? And also, maybe you don't want Dagny walking around on it? I mean, not that... Okay, anyway. No, there's something to that. I'm, I'm, I think there might be. I... I are you familiar with the, the types of uh, insecticide that you can get at... The big box uh, supply stores like Home Depot, which no. will last up to six months. Well, how could that be good for anyone? No, it's not good for anybody. <laughs> That's that? why it kills the bugs. Wasn't there a song, Hey Farmer, Put Away the DDT Now? Who was that, Joni no, Mitchell? That one I am familiar with. Paved yeah. Paradise and Put Up a Parking yes. Lot? Yes. I, big I Yellow a, Taxi? That, that was the sort of indoctrination that I experienced. We all did. It turns school. out I think it was overhyped. I think it turned out the DDT was okay, but... Don't take health recommendations from me. I'm just raising an efficacious question. Is the spraying outside not driving them inside, and also is it staying outside very long? Certainly someone will know this. Probably someone in the business. By the way, I do have a great company, so I'm not busting on them. But it's just a a question. I like them a lot. I've known a lot of people in the business. They're good people. It's a good industry. And we don't want scorpions. But we might want lizards to eat the scorpions and the sna- and the, not snakes, God forbid. I never want to see a snake. But we might want, you know, we want the geckos to eat the 
bumblebees and we want things we don't see to eat the scorpions, I think. Did you know scorpions are worse for dogs than cats? How did that happen? How did that happen? The cats have claws. No, I mean the, the, I mean the sting. Cats are taking over the world. I think they're Martians. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. We're solving a lot of problems today. You are now a man of arms, aren't you, young David? Oh, firearms. Yes, you are. I was are. a little confused. We were talking about Martians there. I was like, what, eight arms, five arms, ten arms? No, yeah. I get it now. Yeah. I get it now. Firearms, Well, for yes. the zombie apocalypse. To keep in bare arms, yes. Yes. Good for you. Good on you. Check out – you want to go to Ben Avery probably to test out your shotgun. Is that a range? Yeah. Up right. off the – Yeah. That's where I learned to fire a shotgun. Um, I was pretty proficient with handguns. I'd never shotguns. Obviously, different. You know who taught me? Former, um, former mayor of Peoria and his wife, the former state superintendent of education, Lisa Graham Keegan. They took me up to Ben Avery to teach me how to shoot a shotgun. Yeah, good people. Them. That's cool. Good old friends. All right, Christine's in Phoenix. Hello, Christine. Hi there, Seth. Listen, I'm listening to you talking about termites. Okay. Well, I've had it done. all kinds of <laughs> critters, yeah. Okay. Well, you were talking about being concerned about the rain and the uh, sprinkling system yeah. getting rid of the yeah. termites. Yeah. No, they go around the foundation. They drill a hole down into the down in, by the foundation, and they pour everything down in there. Like Hamas and, with the tunnels. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So sprinklers don't wash it away. It's not a problem for your puppy dogs. It's there's nothing to it. You do not want termites taking your house down. No. And if you get them in the house and start seeing these these tunnels hanging from a a wooden beam, yeah, that, that's that's a that's a sad sight. Obviously, right. Absolutely. But what about but the anyway. scorpions? I don't want this. I'm more terrified of scorpions. <laughs> have you ever been stung by a scorpion? I have. No. I'm it's my, unpleasant a, in the extreme. We were at Lake Powell, and my three kids were going up, climbing up on the sandstone uh, cliffs and jumping into the water. And anyway, when they were going up, my eldest son reached his hand into a dark spot, which he knew better. Than yeah, that's kind of on him at that point, I would say. Uh-huh. Yeah, He was bitten. Uh, by the time he swam back to the boat, and it wasn't that far, he could feel the numbness going and the pain going up his arm. Yeah. So we just had to watch it for a while, but um, it was not pleasant. I'll tell you what I did and what not to do. I had a slightly different experience. I was in bed, and it it hit me three times in the leg right away. Bam, bam, bam. And I knew it immediately. And several events immediately transpired because I screamed and threw off the blanket, which (laughs) agitated the Dagny dog. So the dog is now freaked out, and she jumps off the bed. Because she was sleeping the peace of the just. I was just reading, minding my own business. It sounds like a Saturday afternoon uh, comic show. Yeah, it Uh could have been. And then I had the bright idea. I thought it was a bright idea of running into the swimming pool because I thought the chlorine would neutralize it and all that. I thought that was the smart move. Well, it may or may not have helped. The problem was the running. Because now oh, you're just pumping the blood screen. all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was the, <laughs> the rest of the That's night smart. included unorthodox high amounts of Benadryl and ice packs. And we'll leave it at that. 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Very good. Uh, maybe just change your sheets more often. Well, okay. I didn't know that we were going to get into the criticism of the Oscar Madison effect at my house. Anyway. I'm more of the Felix Unger type you. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Fun talking to you, and I love your show. Well, aren't you sweet? Thank you, Christine. All right. Okay. Lance and Phoenix. You. Hello, Lance. Bye-bye. Hey, Seth. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Well, hey, I, I kind of in my mind have been coming up with a good political commercial for 2024, of, yes, despite uh, which Republican wins. Um, but it kind of goes something to the effect of uh, it opens up, of uh, you know, you can tell uh, Joe Biden who Joe Biden cares about and who he doesn't by where he puts his time and his money. And it then goes to uh, uh, Biden gave $143 billion to Ukraine and $700 checks to Maui for the fire victims. And... Uh, he visited uh, Gaza and Israel, uh, caring about the Palestinians before he cared. He cared about uh, Palestine before East Palestine because he's never visited East Palestine still in Ohio. So it kind of hit him on the, all that foreign. He cares more about Ukraine and he cares more about uh, Palestine. He hasn't been he to the border either, has he? Has he been to the border? I don't think as president he has. I know well, he know, did he a trip to, to Texas, but it wasn't the border. Yeah, so then, you know, just isn't that a pretty hard-hitting uh, commercial in the sense that he cares? He'll give $700 checks to Americans in Maui, and he'll give $143 billion, which I believe is something to the effect of about $5,000 per American. So where's the $5,000 check per American that he sent to uh, Ukraine? Yeah, the foreign policy aspect of this fight is going to be an interesting divide, Um, and it's an interesting divide within the Republican Party and the conservative movement itself. Um, It's it's interesting um, how it's playing out. The Ukraine thing, uh, we were debating it and talking around it with the Holmans uh, last week. We might do it again a little bit this week. You know what offends me about the Ukraine thing more than the money that we have sent? Because a lot of it has to do with really military stuff and arms and old arms at that and and the values there and, and some aid, yes, and the fraud. You know what bothers me more than that? What is that? The hundreds of billions, 400 billion, okay, 400 billion in fraud and abuse with COVID money. That bothers me more. It overshadows by a factor of at least four, maybe That's five, what we've done with Ukraine. Think well, about that. Should, money, that should offend us more than anything. Now. We can talk about the fraud at Ukraine. How about the fraud here? Well, how about, you know, the, the, that Biden talks about we're fighting. To, Trump is bad because we're fighting for democracy and Trump's against dem- democracy. Yet Zelensky has now canceled uh, the election in Ukraine, and I, I, I'm almost positive demo- a key part of democracy, uh, you know, is voting. And the fact that Zelensky knows he couldn't win a fair election uh, because he's so unpopular, the war is so unpopular in Ukraine. Uh, it might be popular for the uh, the rich white liberals on the east side of Manhattan, uh, but it's not a popular war in Ukraine, and everyone has lost someone. And, you know, we could have ended this war a year ago on the exact same terms as today. Uh, and I was saying this a year ago. We, this is the point where Ukraine should have negotiated, but the Biden people didn't want them to negotiate. And now Ukraine is not going to get any better deal, uh, if anything, 
if anything, Russia has no um, need to negotiate until after our election. They just need to wait out Ukraine to crumble, you know, since we're paying their teacher salaries and we're paying their police salaries and their firefighter salaries. Uh, they just have to outweigh Ukraine, and, and their ambitions for Ukraine were just the eastern Donbass area before, but now they've, they have lost far too many men and far too much faith to give up on just the eastern part of Ukraine. They might as well go for the whole thing at this point. I think they've always wanted the whole thing, but I take your point, Lance. I really do. Thank you, brother. I'll be right back. Well, we got through your shotgun issue. We got through pest control. Oh, we still have other things to do. Maybe it has to save until tomorrow. Other things? Yeah, Double D. David Dahl, Digital Date. We need to talk about that. (laughs) Let's go to, yeah, we'll save that for tomorrow. Let's go to Philip in Apache Junction. Hello, Philip. Hi, Seth. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Enjoying your show. Thank you. Love the bumper music. Oh, thank you. Thank you. People come for the talk. They stay for the music. Well, today the music is good. Roy Clark, (laughs) that takes me back. One little jingle from Roy Clark that you played through that last interview last hour. Oh, yeah, 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 from the Odd Couple, yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. So, anyway, why don't you write a sitcom? Why don't I write a sitcom? I don't know. I've written a movie. It didn't okay. get made. I wrote a movie, but it wasn't a sitcom. It was a drama action. I wrote I wrote the movie from the TV series Magnum P.I. It just never got made, but I wrote it with a partner of mine. And okay. we spent a lot of time on it, and it's really, really good. It just it cannot get made for some reason or another um, yeah. because of all the fights over rights and that sort of thing. But it was the exact movie Tom Selleck said he wanted. And um, I don't know if I can write comedy. I think I can. I don't think I'm a. I, yeah, I don't think I'm a funny writer. When I try to do comedy as a ri- written form, it usually comes off wrongly or insulting or whatever. But I think I can do comedy. I think I can do stand up. Remember what Buckley was so well at doing, though. Maybe you should try your hand at a spy novel or a novel of yeah. intrigue and. Yeah. Geopolitical. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm I'm not good at. I'm not good at fiction. Well, think about Magnum P.I. on a more grandiose scale. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it was. There was foreign policy in it, as the TV show had a foreign policy. It was very anti communist, the TV show. And in our movie, his nemesis. was a Soviet, uh, a, a, a Soviet terrorist named uh, Ivan, and uh, he kills Ivan in one of the most famous episodes of the series. Um, did you see the sunrise? And in our movie, it's Ivan's um, Ivan's son comes to avenge his dad's death. And uh, anyway, and the world will never know. Such is my burden. Brandon Weikert coming up. We'll be right back.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.